0: Hi everyone, I'm Claire Liu. I'm the CEO of New York Team software that helps you as a manager become better. We give you tools to run one-on-one meetings, build rapport with your team, get status updates, and get on feedback and today on the Heartbeat Podcast, I am super excited because we have here a really special guest, uh, someone, an executive from a company that I have admired for the longest time, and they have been a very long-time Know Your Team customer, too, way back in the day, since uh, back when we were called Know Your Company, so an absolute True, true honor to have on the show, Matt Davey, who is the COO, which by the way, for them is the chief operations optimist of 1Password. And for those of you who are not yet using 1Password, you are missing out. I use it every single day. We use it here at Know Your Team, but it is truly the best really best in class password management software that's, that's out there. And so highly recommend using it if you haven't. And the amazing thing about 1Password is they have millions of users all over the world, I believe over 50,000 business clients alone, and got to that literally raising zero money and building the company from scratch over the past 14 years. And then only very recently, raise money for the first time. It was a $200 million Series A, which was super unconventional. And so we can get into some of that if, if it's of interest, Matt. I mean, we have a lot of things to talk about. But then the other thing I think that's worthy to note, so many things about OnePassword, such an interesting company, but they are also entirely remote. So almost 200 people, maybe even more by this time, but uh, located all over the world. And so when it comes to leadership, so many different things that I want to ask you. About Matt, it's it's a real pleasure to, to have you here today.
1: Thanks. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's great to be here. It's an odd one. Any topic that we cover, I think one password will be sl- like slightly different in how we do things, and I, and I think that's a, a combination of growing organically and, and not constantly being fast paced at hiring. Right. I think within you know the the fourteen years that we've been running the company, uh, it, we've doubled nearly every other year, and now. You know, with you know, money, we're going to uh, double the company every year with that help. And things like, you know, pipelines of candidates and stuff that we just didn't have before, which is really exciting.
0: So exciting. And I've got about a million questions I want to ask you about how you manage that growth. I knew 1Password's culture is super unique, how you sustain that culture through growth. But I got to start with the one question, Matt, that I ask every single person on this podcast that I've been doing this for the past few years. And so you're ready. I'm ready. Okay. So the question is, what is one thing or it could be several things that you wish you would have learned earlier as a leader?
1: So for, for this to add a bit of context, I joined OnePassword nearly eight years ago now. Uh, so it's, it's been a long time and I joined as a, as a designer and, and I was kind of working on the the apps or what we call the client apps, which are kind of the the end end user thing, what people use every day. And then you know slowly I I started working on the business end of it, so the you know the management uh, where you go for billing, where you go to add people to your account, where you set up sharing and and con- configure everything. You know from there I kind of you know, started leading the the design team, and then you know probably about. Four, maybe more years ago, we actually added a marketing team, which we didn't have before. Everybody before either supported our customers or built the product, right? We, we had basically pretty much three types of, of employee, a customer service person, of which everybody in the entire company does customer service. So just, to, you know, add that thing that we probably need to talk about at some point. And then, you know, or, or was a developer or was a designer. That was kind of it. We had no management we had no marketing we had no sales we had people who built the product so i mean going back to your question the the one thing that i think i've tried to hold on to too long that's how i'm going to interpret that question (laughs) it it is basically perfection like coming from design you always want to i always have the mentality that developers always want to start over (laughs) Always want to go file new projects and, and designers always want to have that second chance at perfection, right? That second chance to kind of add something and iterate. And, um, th- there's limited people. There's always limited people. That's, that's what we found. And the ability to have a, you know, to, to tidy up after your stuff is, is, is not always there. So really I've learned that you know it's not going to be perfect the first time around you always are going to need you know that second round of of feedback and and as i've taken on more things like currently my role oversees product marketing and design kind of three three areas you don't get there day one <laughs> you don't get to that to that state of of hey i can you know share this on dribble as a as a designer or you know hey this this campaign worked perfectly like uh, that that was my my takeaway is I, uh, as I moved into more areas, I always expected it to have that payoff that design has that's like, I've done it, it's good, let's go. And that that's just not the case with, with other areas. Maybe that's more about me expanding into different areas than me managing more areas. But yeah.
0: <laughs> well, so I, there's so many different things that are fascinating about that response, Matt. I think one is just sort of the reflection of that answer in I would say likely the uniqueness of your role and the growth of the company. Right here, you are as a COO that started off as a designer. I don't know how many CEOs I've, I've met where that's that's been the case, right?
1: Well, I, I think that that attests to uh, not many COOs not doing operations, <laughs> which which I kind of don't really do. Like I, I understand why why I have the the title that I have. It's because. We have essentially kind of three c level uh, people as well as founders in the company. And so you can't just have a chief design product marketing officer. it just doesn't work. so I, I I see why I you know I see see the title change there but yeah
0: oh, absolutely no and so I I only point that out because I think in your answer of trying to find, or expecting almost that perfection to, to happen as the role expands matches up, I think, with just the fact that the role, it's, it's the transition from, as you were saying, what you were used to of seeing success as. It was the final beautiful, polished pieces that you can then put on dribble or feel like, okay, this is now done. And management and leadership is, is not, is not like that. And, and so I just, I love just like how in the context of your your progression that that's been true. I was curious, Matt, for you, was there anything in particular that you found especially difficult to look at and be like, this is so far from perfect
1: right now? I mean, yes, <laughs> we have a, I, I hate to say unique because I'm sure there's other companies like it, but um, we struggle to find any. We don't have any analytics at all within our products. So we have no behavioral tools. We have no hotspots. We have no, you know, information from our platform that tells us how many passwords people have in different locations and what they're for or what websites they're for. Like, that's obviously a, a thing that people don't want, right? Your your passwords and the things that you store in one password are private by the very nature of you storing them. Uh, there so it's difficult to build a product like that and to market a product like that when it's all mostly based on intuition so I understand like a certain amount of building a, a software product is intuition anyway but couple that with the fact that you know when we want to build something and and we need to find out information about what we're building whether it's gonna have an impact on the on our customers or, or anything like that basically quantitative information is really difficult um, so I mean what we end up doing is, is going out and, and talking to customers customer service is one of the biggest assets that we have at one password we use it for kind of user testing so we will you know a customer has a problem we'll get together we'll think that we've solved that problem, we'll present it back to that customer. So, I mean, it's wild to see people's reactions of like, hey, I emailed in and I, I didn't like this button here. I didn't really know what it did. And then they came to me with a whole new button and, oh, look, here's a beta with it in. Like, that's our fuel, right? When that happens, that, that customer interaction is that close. You know, people always find it really weird when, because we have a podcast as well. And when someone emails in from the podcast and like, I will email back, Cause that's my customer service area. Like people find that really odd. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I I can relate. Yeah. I can relate. Yeah. Like when, when you have that from a product point of view, like all of our, our our product designers and and product managers are all speaking with customers to find out that information. There's no like huge repo of, of analytics that we've, we've gleaned from that. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's. Yeah, I've kind of forgotten your question now, but <laughs> I think that's like I think that's like a massive challenge that that we've overcome just through work, really, just through sheer talking to the amount of customers that we have over the last fourteen years has, has given us that insight.
0: Matt, we can throw away my question, honestly. I love this other <laughs> path that we're going down, we'll, I'm, we can. Re, I mean, whatever. Because what I'm so curious, actually, to hear is, to what degree do you think, if any, the connection to customers has actually influenced your leadership style or how you approach managing your team at all at 1Password?
1: Oh, it absolutely has. Okay. The empathy points that you get from having a, a, a kind of customer champion over a feature is huge. But there, there's some entire projects we call internally after the customer that started that that issue. Like obviously, first names only, privacy and all that. But like, yeah, we, we've literally, <laughs> sure. you know, named whole project teams after uh, after the customers that have been involved. And and I think it just speaks to the culture of how much we try and care, you know, for the use cases of of that customer. Like they're not personas. We we try and really mm, not yeah. deal with that because I think it detaches you from the problem. Like it's really mm. hard to. Detach yourself from a problem when, you know, right up in the, in the product spec is a, is a link to the customer that had this problem. Absolutely. Almost the worst, maybe, or is just willing to give us a bit more time to talk to them and, and figure it out. So right. it's really that empathy lead, um, which has been really important for us. When I joined, I think we were 23, 24 people. Yeah. I think we're well over 220 as of today and scaling that customer attention has been really difficult obviously in in training like we bring new people in like but that has always been at the kind of core of where we look first when we think we know what a good solution is to a problem it could be a, a situation that we had several years ago where we were like no one uses this internally we'll just get rid of it in the next release and then we had 10,000 emails the next week and we were like, okay, we should put this back.
0: <laughs> we should put it back. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so I, I think it's, yeah. it's kind of stemmed from that, like a little bit of fear of getting 10,000 emails again, but but also sure. having having that customer like really care about that problem that they had. Sure. Our yeah. user base are really passionate, like for a password manager. It seems crazy, oh, but myself. like, oh, Yeah. <laughs>
0: i'm I'm like a total fan of a password management system. It's absolutely I mean I think that's what's one of that's fascinating one of the m- many fascinating things about one password i I do want to come back to this idea of the challenges maybe that you would have faced around that growth from being employee 23 or having 23 employees to now to over 220. But before we do, one of the things I was curious and the reason I had asked the question around, you know, to what degree do you think does a connection to customers influence leadership style is because I was I was thinking about, about how a lot of times sort of from a um, organizational scholarly perspective or however you want to think about it a huge motivating factor for why teams coalesce and align and actually work well is because they are rallying around some sense of vision, some sense of picture of a better place. And oftentimes what most companies and teams struggle with is just the fact that that vision isn't very clear. And so then to peel it back one more layer is, okay, that vision usually isn't very clear because Not everyone on the team, and especially actually leadership, the bigger the team gets, is as connected to the people who are benefiting directly from the work that they're doing. And so it was almost sort of my academic hat was on of just wanting to understand, you know, to what degree, if any, is that connection to the customer actually interweaving and connecting everyone at 1Password, including leaders, as this company is growing rapidly to say... This is what we're always about. This is where we're all on the same page. This is sort of our true north. Is is that connection to our customers? Less of a question, Matt, and more just of an explanation of why I was so curious to to understand that.
1: I, I really think it is that element of everybody in the entire company doing customer service, like obviously to varying degrees, and as we grow, the the varying degrees have got gotten bigger. Yes, but everybody is the, in there somewhere. And, and so when we have things like something goes, goes wrong, you know, I I think a couple of years ago we put out a, a, an app and it had a faulty certificate. So when you install, it was, you know, not letting you and, and, you know, our, our customer service like numbers went up significantly and and Mm -hmm. everybody in the company was like, okay, down tools. I'm going to go and, you know, answer some and, and reassure some customers. Like, thankfully, we have checks in place for stuff like that now. But, you know, it's that kind of... um, Everybody has that in the back of their mind. Yes. It it, it is the backbone of the company is, is Hmm. like, treating our customers how we would want to be treated under under customer service. Because, you know, everybody's had a bad bad customer service experience and they're not very nice. Especially with something like 1Password, where not accessing it makes you feel completely helpless. And so... I think that's why our customers are so passionate. It's because about, you know, it's Mm -hmm. what you store in there and the amount of trust you have in the product. And that is not, you know, something that we take lightly.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, Matt, let's let's circle back around then to one of the many different areas that I was so eager to dive into. So this growth, right? Insane. Doubling every other year. I mean, this is literally purely off profits and money that's being reinvested into the business. Like you hadn't raised money to date while you were doing that. And just absolutely incredible organic growth, no marketing, no sales team, right? While this is happening. So I, you know, I'm so curious and you alluded to this, what, what have been the biggest challenges in that growth in terms of the relationship and team dynamics and culture as, as you've scaled that quickly and especially being remote too. And those might be separate questions, right? And those are sort of big questions, but would love to hear your, your observations on that.
1: So I would say that the biggest pain has never been growing the areas that we've already had, right? Mm, finding finding designers to work on the product and, and having them understand how we work, that wasn't really a, a problem. Finding developers, that hasn't been, you know, that much of a problem. Finding customer support people who are really passionate and really kind hasn't been that much of a problem. We're finding a lot of them. And uh, I, I think that's mm. maybe the problem. Growing new areas. <laughs> and, and again, like some of these areas, like our, our customer success team, our uh, our sales team, those have been grown from our customer service team. So people have expressed an interest and we've kind of grown them out oh, from there.
0: Fascinating.
1: So that that's how we grew those areas. How we knew how to grow was hire customer service people, and if they express an interest, train them up and, and move them on to development or sales mm-hmm. or anything like that. Like a lot of people who are core now to our, our company have moved through customer service, who joined answering uh, customers and then wanted to do something about the the problems, not just say sorry and and you know here's the here's the fix. Yep. So yeah, I I, I think like those areas have been okay. The ones that we didn't really know what we were doing are the ones that we've added <laughs> very recently, which is things like HR, finance, the people that don't really work on the product. So you know, mm. we didn't know who or what to where to you know do anything there. Yeah, I'm a designer. The CEO Jeff is a uh, is a developer by trade, uh, and the two founders uh, Rustum and and Dave are developers who still work on the product. They literally go to work every day and, you know, develop. So that's what yep. they want to do. So I, I think that's where we've struggled is the areas of the people that don't work on the product because we don't know what to do there. <laughs> so I, I, I think one of the, the benefits of, of partnering with someone like uh, a, a cell who are the people involved in the investment round really comes down to expertise of how to, how, how to run a, uh, like a, an actual operation all business uh, at this scale. Yeah, th- things like finance, HR, and everything like that. You know, scaling those departments when right. I think I could count on one hand how many finance and not uh, you know yeah. and an HR people we had.
0: Absolutely. Well, Matt, I think it's so uh, so intriguing that essentially, and and please feel free to push back. You know, but on on what I received was this almost identification of the. Growth of just new and unknown functional areas being sort of the biggest pain points. What I find so remarkable about that, Matt, is, and because that, you know, I've talked to so many leaders, whether it's through this podcast and thousands and thousands of, of managers that we work with, you know, obviously through Know Your Team and, You know, I I also still do, I hold a very small number of executive coaching clients still to this day. And it's so interesting because what people usually say, you did not say. So what people usually say is the cultural piece. It's finding and maintaining sort of the, for lack of a better word, organizational soul as the company gets bigger and as you hire new people. And that did not Come up, and so what I'm curious is: one, did you or have you struggled with that at One Password? And if not, what do you feel like you guys do? That's different.
1: <laughs> that's a tricky one. I I couldn't write down on paper what we've done, but I could tell you what, like, what is the the the, the secret source almost? Our, our real values, I would say, are our security, privacy community and kindness so i I would say that the community one is a new one that i've tried to kind of spur us on but security and privacy one we're a very private company like uh, before the announcement of, of funding no one really knew how big we were no one really knows like that much about us how many customers we really have we almost don't know that ourselves it's a long story there you know, we're we're very private internally as well. Like how we treat customer data is like nuclear waste. We we have as few uh, people to touch it as possible, the the right storage containers and and all that kind of stuff. Like however you think about it, we we treat that stuff really carefully. We don't slack customer emails around we will send the link to the thing that you need to log into in order to get there right and we're really carefully uh, careful about this and in bringing on you know all these new people we've instilled that as a practice as a kind of a thing that you need to absolutely abide by because this is our core it Mm. doesn't really strike us as this is a culture and you know oh you might want to do this and oh hey like let's get on a call and we'll drink this kind of coffee like it's not to to us it was a fundamental Mm. and i think that's kind of different than some other values and then security it's exactly the same thing right you know you are responsible for a huge amount of customer data in terms of when someone sends you a, a a diagnostic report or or something from their device. It has things like their device name and it doesn't have any, what, you know, some people might say secrets, but it's still, you know, personal identifiable information that you're holding. So securing your own laptop again is, is one thing that like, and, and again, this, this feeds into the remote thing, but like we absolutely install that as a, as a fundamental, here are the things that you absolutely must do because, you know, we have a pretty good security track record, and we want to maintain that, right? Right. And then I would say on the, on the kindness thing, when I joined Dave, one of the, the founders of the company was the one to teach me customer support, right? Mm. It was a very, like the way that we do customer support is incredibly empowering as an individual, right? Like you're not going to get told to go through three manager positions in order to approve someone getting a a small discount that they want or that you know someone wants to move this and you know we really do try and make absolutely sure that someone has the tools that they need to in order to make a customer happy and and to go almost to the extra distance as they as they need yep and so I, I think that comes into it as well. We're we're very generous with time and a- a- everything like that. And it just feeds into this whole thing of really another foundation that was, you know, there there is most of the time and, and especially when I started, there was no one above you to go to <laughs> to say, no. Hey, yeah. can I have, can I give this customer a ten percent discount? Like y- you were taught how to go and generate a ten percent discount and then you you went and did it. Like that was the the chain. Yeah. And and I think we've tried to keep that. To a certain extent, like we've tried to keep the kindness surprises customers. It it really does. Like if if you can say, actually, like I I spoke to the developer and and we fixed this thing in the next build. Like it's gonna come out here. Just go and download it. The look on people's faces, I imagine, when I'm you know writing the reply like that. Yeah. It it's just like nowhere else. At least you know we like to think it is. <laughs> so I think those fundamentals are really installed in the culture because that's how you do your job not what you try and believe in while you do your job the community one is a is is a little more kind of me trying to push stuff (laughs) it's um we have lots of small communities internally and i think that's kind of how we've kept it to feeling like a small small company so you know we have a room to talk about coffee beans. We have a room to talk about books you've read. We have a, a room that is our water cooler that seems to pass around songs of bad recordings of me today. <laughs> I, I I was recording a podcast. I said something slightly amusing and someone added a drum and bass track to the back of it and put it in the water cooler. So, you know, that might make its way out eventually. Yeah. So, you know, stuff like that happens in, in small communities. And I think that helps people with the idea that we are growing so fast, right? That the people that have been here as long as I have and, you know, several people have been here a lot longer than I have to help that kind of, oh, there's a lot of people here, you know, (laughs) that, that kind of feeling. Um, I I think hanging around in in multiple smaller communities, you realize, oh, actually, like I know a lot of these people. It's just, I interact with a a smaller number.
0: Mm, Absolutely. Thank you so much for, for sharing that, that, Matt. I would love to go almost one level deeper, right? I, I, because I think the, first of all, the, all, all, everything that you shared is immensely applicable when you just think of actually operationalizing values versus just saying that this is something we'd aspire towards, right? So you're talking about very tangibly how are the ways that people are acting are actually reflecting each of those values, which I think is amazing. What I, yeah, what I would love to do is just get in one more level deeper because I know for myself and so many other leaders who are listening is exactly how does one do that and specifically in a remote team. So, for example, very tactically, right? Do you rely on a lot of written communication and asynchronous communication to communicate this? Do you put a lot of emphasis in onboarding and training? Do you, you know, do you have, for example, a buddy system in the, the company? Do you focus a lot on in-person meetups? Do you not? I'm just so curious, just very, you know, sort of on that tactical level, what you feel like, oh, these things actually seem to really work just for us.
1: Yeah, we, we do a lot of things and and i and i never feel like we do them in a way that feels like like oh here's another one of these forced pieces of fun or something like uh, i i think we try very carefully to not yeah. do many things mm. but but do them well okay yeah. so i i think one of the weirdest things <laughs> that we do i've never heard anyone else do so um okay. is we meet up okay. once a year and we get the whole company together and for the last, I'm going to say, eight, maybe seven times, we've been on a cruise. So the the problem with, with 200 people is when you put them in an area, like, they're all going to want feeding. They're all going to want to go to different places. They're all going to want to go here. Like, then we start needing stuff like, oh, we need a projector because there's too many people sitting in front of the telly. And you, you can't just shout at them, you know, so we need microphones and all this kind of stuff. And the easiest way that we found to do that is a cruise ship because it kind of keeps people in the same. <laughs> I mean, get everyone in, there. in relevant news, you know, not such a good thing, but <laughs> sure. We, we, we literally, we all got on a cruise ship at the, at the beginning of this month and had our kind of wow. annual, uh, get together in which we do things that we think that is the only time that we can do them. So it's, it's for huge kind of company-wide efforts so last year what we did was we decided that the customer support responses weren't fast enough right we were taking a day or two or three where you know we want to take a couple of hours so what we did was we completely reorganized the customer service team in terms of when you joined before you answered customers Maybe you were in the billing area, maybe you were in the this area, maybe you were in that. Like No one really had a specialism. And so that was kind of important in the early days because you, know, you had these kind of pillars of wisdom that were here for a long time and they knew everything about 1Password. You know, oh, it's not Wi-Fi syncing over three networks, like here, here's the thing that we're going to do. As we moved to a service and the product came a, a lot less complicated, uh, we found that People really could, you know, specialize in one area. So yeah, like specializing in area, an area really helped. And and that, mm-hmm. that was a huge deal. Like we had to get the whole company in order to do that just because everybody has an investment in customer service. So, and then what else do we do? We do a secret Santa that is quite fun in which we end up with something. Uh, you kind of add a little like information about you and then the fact that we're worldwide remote makes secret santa really fun because you know you find you get russian poetry like i did last year and then i was like (laughs) i'm pretty sure i know who this is because it's you know from russia so yeah that that that's quite fun we are also very adaptive i think as a company. I've worked at small companies. I've worked at kind of really large, massive institutions. And we are obviously, you know, slower to change at a couple of hundred people, but we're still like pretty fast. We can, you know, roll a tool out and just have people start using it in, you know, no time. (laughs) So I I think being adaptive and being like and, and changing this kind of stuff is is another thing that we that we do. If something isn't working, we just we just change it. There's no you know, if, if we want to bring in another tool, we just do that. If it has no worth, we we just get rid of it. And I think that flexibility has really helped and, and is is one of the, you know, one of the things that has kind of kept us communicating well internally, I'm going to say. You know, Absolutely. We have problems like every company, right? You know, where, where do I put this? Is it in this tool? Is it in this, in this tool? That type of thing. But slowly we're starting to understand that we do need multiple places based on the, how long that, that information need, it, it is applicable. You know, Slack is great for what Slack is great at. But if you want permanent information, it, it probably shouldn't go in there. So finding those other places and, and putting information in there, like, I think that's the adaptiveness of as we've grown and going probably to the most popular tool, but you know, <laughs> we've, we've, we've kept that steady over the last 14 years. Absolutely. I think we moved from hip chat to flow doc to, I don't I think we moved chat tools until we got to Slack about 10 times in, in you know, yep. a matter of months. So, yep. and I, I think that, that type of thing, you know, People come to expect now.
0: <laughs> yeah. Matt, do you feel like for, as a remote company with over 200 people, that there's anything in particular that you feel like is absolutely critical to the team working well as a remote company in particular?
1: I'm bad at this, but it's good that other people are good at it. And it, it, it is a asynchronous, right? Sure. It's the management of issues and keeping things moving forward. Mm, interesting and and i think another thing is ownership um so anytime we start something it better have an owner (laughs) right Mm -hmm. like it's all right me saying right okay we're going to do this marketing experiment or we're going to build this page on the website if there's not someone who owns that and feels responsible for getting that done even if it's me or 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 someone i i you know want to get excited about that task i I think ownership is, is a huge one because it means that you know, regardless of time zones, regardless of of location, that's their goal. They're going to make that happen. That's what right. they're you know they're really excited about. Making sure that that person is then excited about that is also you know pretty key. But absolutely, yeah, I I think that's that's the key to me. Yeah, it, it's trying to leave a, an audit trail that is accessible. Something like you know, we use GitLab and and. Everything is an issue, everything that anybody works on, be it a marketing product, be it a, um, like an email newsletter or web page, or, you know, even going down to the, the, the product itself, right. Server level, anything, everything is an issue. And that issue then gets a comment trail and, you know, you, you can kind of look up where projects are pretty instantly by just, you know. You don't have to kind of ping five Absolutely. people in Slack. Like it, it, yeah. It's key to have it all in one place, I think. As soon as, you know, Absolutely. your marketing department starts to use a calendar in here and, you know, that that's where thing gets, things get difficult, I think.
0: Absolutely. Well, I find it so interesting because I would say that that is true not just a remote teams, right? But any team. You need ownership in that audit trail so that when new folks come on board that that's, that that's transparent. So, Matt… Thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom and incredible insights into just the really, uh, really remarkable path that 1Password has taken and the way that you've helped contribute to that and led that. Uh, I've learned so much, actually, in listening to it. I have one, perhaps, last question here before we sign off, if I can squeeze it in, which is, uh, is there anything that you wish personally just based off your experience from one password and keeping in mind that the folks listening to this are managers themselves that you wish were more true and that more managers embraced embodied or did
1: uh yeah uh you know on on a personal level i think the products that we build like they affect the people who use them I, i i know that sounds ridiculously straightforward of of like if you're suggesting that you use information that you know perhaps you might not want to be used about you from a standpoint of of privacy there are so many products out there that don't stand by some basic rules that they would want to be treated as Mm. like we as an organization don't do any retargeting like we have google ads we spend you know the same amount as everybody else does on google ads but we know we leave money on the table by by not retargeting. but I I don't like it. I, like mm. loads of people are comfortable with it. That's fine. Like yeah. stu- stuff like being targeted on the internet it, it gets out of hand really quickly. It's a really slippery slope of of kind of the the desire to to capture that last customer. Sure. And I, I find that there is something that slips away from a product every time it does that um Mm. i i feel like you you have kind of a a level of trust in a product and as privacy becomes more and more important that trust is is finite right you never get that back again from a customer so that the more that you do in terms of retargeting or even to a certain degree, personalization and forwarding people to web pages, and you know, it, it it destroys this underlying trust, and and it might you know make your conversions go up, but it might not make those conversions feel very good because those conversions are at, at the end of the day people, right? Right. So, I, I the the one big thing that I would say I I really would love more people to to take hold of that build products. It's like, just be careful with people's information. Like sometimes it's really damaging.
0: Absolutely. I so appreciate that emphasis on on privacy, Matt. And I think you're the perfect steward to champion that message. So many of us need to hear it. Thank you so much for really setting that example at 1Password. Uh, It's been, yeah, it's been a real... Real treat to have you on the show for anyone who's been listening and has been admiring the way that Matt's been describing the way they've thought about building the company and now growing the company even more. I know at One Password you are continually hiring for your remote positions all over the world. So be sure to check that out. And in addition, thank you all so much for listening here on the Heartbeat Podcast. You can always watch all of our episodes that we've had over the past two years at knowyourteam.com. And as always, be sure to support us and make sure to check- out our product, New Your Team, to help you become a manager too. So thank you so much again for everything, Matt. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks very much.